through constant evaluations through our spring electrofishing surveys. We have creel programs and talk to anglers and uh, document their catches and, and we get socioeconomics from all those kind of things. Uh, we do different kinds of netting, um, seining and uh, you know just engaging with all that and then pouring over that data and looking at it comparatively you know 10, 20 years and, and seeing kind of where things are going and a big challenge and going back to the bass, what's really leading management decisions with that stocking program are genetic test. So we collect fish and we can age them. We know what size obviously that fish is and we take a fin clip and send it off and we get a genetic composite back of that fish. So we'll be able to tell this composite of fish, a F1, a, a pure northern, pure Florida, or some uh, convoluted of, of all that, this is our best growing fish. So yeah. that's what we want to be tailoring that place yeah. to put in it or try to grow or whatever because we know that's the best product. The award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. We're glad you're tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. we got a great show lined up for you today, and I am in the woods. Well, I feel like I'm in the woods. I got a bear standing over my shoulder here. We're at Region 3, the Region 3 office here in Crossville, Tennessee, and happy to happy to be here. Mimi Barnes is helping me co-host and invited us over. Thanks for that. Yeah, welcome to the region. Yeah, and we got Mr. Mike Jolly. He's uh, our guest today. We're going to be talking Chickamauga. So I'm excited. Good to be here with you. Thank you. Good Ears just perked up. Chickamauga. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a it's a fun lake and uh, it's growing some big fish and a lot of fish. So we're going to talk about it today. Uh, but the bear, I got to reference the bear one more time. It was the first bear killed on the plateau in 50 years. Okay. Donated by Mr. Wendell Friels. So Mr. Friels, if you're listening, thank you so much for the donation. A lot of people come in, have their photo taken with it. Yeah. 400 and 428 pounds. Yeah, 428 pound black bear. First yeah. killed on the plateau in 50 years. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of scary having it hanging over my shoulder here. But <laughs> <laughs> He'll keep you straight I'll and narrow. just keep talking and keep looking the other direction. Uh, well, we're on the plateau. We're up here. So let's talk about some radio stations from Cookville. Uh, we appreciate our radio partners. WUCT Power 94.1 News Talk. We appreciate those guys and gals out there running the show. We appreciate all our radio partners for uh, highlighting uh, Wildcast on their stations. And I uh, hope our hunters and anglers and wildlife watchers out there enjoy the show on those stations. And appreciate, appreciate them for running it. If you uh, don't follow us on social media, follow us out there. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, find us just about anywhere. So. Now on Carbon TV. I don't want to forget that, Carbon TV. You can download that on your smart TV. You can go to their website. Uh, but you can now watch Wildcast on Carbon TV. Yeah, so Great. Very cool. Well, Mike, thank you for being here. Oh, thank yeah. You. Thanks, Mike. Uh, we're invading your space today. But. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> uh, but you've been on the show, I don't know, two, three times maybe now. But let's remind folks who you are and what you do for the yeah, agency so and kind of how you grew up. Thank you. Uh, Mike Jolly, of course, and uh, Region 3 Reservoirs Manager and I've uh, been in the reservoir crew for 30 years uh, this year, actually. 30 years? You're not uh, yeah. going to leave us, are you? Uh, no, I hope oh, not. <laughs> and started out as a part-time technician. That allowed me to finish my schooling at Tennessee Tech. I uh, got my wildlife fisheries degree there. Uh, so really, um, it's been watching things grow and develop over time, mm -hmm. all the reservoirs, which in Region 3, uh, we have nine reservoirs. 
No small tax. <laughs> yeah, and 150,000 acres of water, and uh -huh. they're very individual too, and require uh, individual management, you know, and, and got a really good reservoir crew too. That uh, of course makes all that possible. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So you grew up, you grew up fishing and hunting. Didn't I you? did. I grew up oh, on yeah. uh, Watch Bar Reservoir and a very avid uh, hunter and fisherman. In the springtime, I may have uh, been known to lay out of school and go fishing a time or two and when the <laughs> weather looked good, hunting. or turkey hunting, or deer hunting. Or deer hunting. <laughs> uh, yeah, so really, uh, really grew up uh, with that, and I've always had a love and a passion for that. And I guess it's why it really makes this not feel like a job. Mm. You know, it's it's able to give back. Uh, to something that you have so much respect for and, and passion for you yeah. know it's exciting always so. yeah and you get that love from your dad i'm sure and we talked yeah. about that a lot he oh, yeah. shared yeah. that passion he, and got you going he did he had me on his hip at an early age and uh, we were stream fishing pretty much every weekend and of course in the deer woods and uh he's a very uh very good woodsman very avid hunter and uh you know taught me the basics and uh and beyond for sure and uh, i've never let go of it you know and that that love's just developed through that so yeah yeah. yeah, it's one thing I love about the Region 3 employees and all TWRA employees, that passion for wildlife. Mm -hmm. Say so walking in every day, everybody loves what I love. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's the reason Great. we're here. Yeah. Well, how do you want to get started today, Mimi? <laughs> Let's hear about Tucumana. <laughs> There's right. so much. Um, it's always in, what, the top 10 reservoirs yeah, in the is. nation. Yeah. No yeah. pressure. In no Tennessee, pressure. that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it is a very... Uh, unique fishery and uh it's nationally acclaimed and mostly for mm. bass fishing yeah uh you know if you wanted to know what it's mostly known for it is bass fishing these guys right uh, here right on yeah the table. this right here <laughs> and, it, and it goes back several decades in the 80s uh 1986 Bassmaster classic first came to chickamauga and it was the first time they had cameras in their boats mm. uh there were a lot of fish caught but there wasn't any real uh you know quality heavy fish caught but that's changed mm. Uh, and a lot of that's changed because of a Florida largemouth bass stocking program that we implemented in the year 2000. Uh, and we've seen great results out of that. Uh, in 2015, there was a new record largemouth, 15 pounds, 3 ounces, caught by Gabe Keane. Uh, and that broke a 60-plus-year-old record. Yeah. Uh, and even outside of bass, Chickamauga is really known for crappie fishing. Um, you know, we have a good striped bass fishery there. Uh, of of late, uh, we've got about a nine-year-old uh, walleye stocking program there, and it's really doing good. So, and uh, so we're excited about it. It, well, it has a lot to offer. And it, it, not just the lake right there, but we were talking with John Dalton with Creek Fishing Adventures. He likes to fish those creeks right off of yeah, Chickamauga. Yeah. And talked about how it, rich in life yeah. they are. It, it really is. You know, it's it's a really resilient reservoir, and, and it's kind of like on autopilot. We can't take credit for everything there, all the successes. Um, but it's just a really good host for a fishery there and for, for multiple species. So it's exciting to be a part of Chickamauga. Mm. Yeah, know. I just want to say Gabe Keene broke a 60-year <laughs> yeah. record. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, that's pretty amazing. It is amazing. And yeah. it, it really does stem from uh, the reservoir work that you all put in yes. science to do. We're not just dropping fish in. Right. A lot of science goes into it. And I'm so proud of you and your crew for the work that's yep. done um, mm -hmm. to get to those good numbers and yeah. help uh, our anglers be successful, Yeah, well, including me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We get a lot of positive feedback. You know, it's uh, people are excited. And that's one thing that made the project a success, too, is all the support we had from anglers and stuff, you know, willing to take that on because it is an investment in time, too. 
things in the fish world don't typically happen automatic and really quick. So in a stocking program, you have to wait to see that come to fruition. So how, how old is the reservoir? Uh, tell us a little bit about that body of water. So, so Chickamauga was uh, created in 1940. So it's 83 year old. Mm -hmm. And, uh, wow. you know, that's a challenge in itself as reservoirs get older. Uh, you know, the challenges there, uh, just the degradation and habitat that was traditionally there, sedimentation. Um, it's a little over 36,000 acres, so a very big reservoir. Of course, um, a main stem reservoir on the Tennessee River. Uh, and it has some major tributaries, uh, Hiawassee River being the biggest there, but some towns that are around it are Dayton, kind of in the midsection there, and uh, Chattanooga on the southern end. So, yeah, yeah, a lot of use. A lot of use, a lot of use, <laughs> yeah. And so what is it known for? So we, we talked about largemouth bass, but you talked about those walleye, crappie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the big draw to that area? So the 65% uh, of the people who fish Chickamauga are bass fishing, yeah. and that's what they're doing. And it's, it is, like you mentioned, it's, it's, it's on the national radar. Uh, a lot of tournament circuits are coming in throughout the year, have really filled up a lot of the towns and grown communities. I mean, hotels are being built just yeah, for that. Yeah, they are. And uh, it's really amazing. But... But also, uh, you know, outside of the obvious there, the, the crappie fishing is typically the number two fish on Chickamauga that okay. people are fishing for. Um, and it's a really good fishery as well. Uh, and cat fishing, uh, oh, yeah. it's awesome down there, you know, and it's it's one of those on autopilot. Where we don't do anything really to enhance it. Uh, it's just got the right ingredients that promote that uh, population to really be sustainable and provide a great opportunity. But even if you get into the bluegill and the red deer sunfish on Chickamauga, it's really good, you know, and, and it it does it on its own down there. So it's it's really kind of a magic place. It's it's special. You know, that's one thing. Here here we are with a biologist, fisheries biologist, reservoirs biologist, but we are very aware of the economic impact yes. that fisheries can have on a region. And it's one thing that our anglers aren't often thinking about, yeah. um, but we do, yeah. uh, and I, I appreciate that. And and uh, yeah. Tourism it's, is a big thing when it comes it, to fish in the south. It is, and it's been well documented that Chickamauga is a multi-million dollar uh, industry, you know, for communities annually mm -hmm. down there. So. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that history of stocking um, Chickamauga and where we are today. Yeah, so early on, pretty much the management, because Chickamauga is so good, uh, most of the management was just a few stocking regimes. Uh, Sauger, uh, striped bass, that was pretty much it. Uh, in the 80s, and it was pretty liberal bass limits. is like 10 at 12 inches. A crappie were 30 a day. Uh, and, and those are a little more conservative now, but they've just fell in line with statewide regulations. So now it's 5 at 15 inches on the bass, a uh, largemouth, and then uh, only 15 a day on the crappie. So uh, stocking still continues. And, for example, with sauger, because they were so hard to deal with in hatchery systems, mm -hmm. Uh, and even collect, they're, they're really, uh, they're known as Tennessee's mystery fish. But in 2011, I decided to change from sauger to walleye on Watts Bar, and it was very successful. So in 2014, I implemented that on Chickamauga, and it's been great. I talked to a, a guide service, uh, the guy that owned it out of Chattanooga in the last few weeks, and he told me from January of next year through May, they have every weekend booked except one for walleye fishing trip. Wow. People coming from all over the nation to fish for that. So 
uh, that's how things have evolved. So, so now we stock, you know, uh, the Florida largemouth bass hmm. and the striped bass and the walleye. But, but it still is just a, it's got the right ingredients, you know, to promote those fisheries. It doesn't work everywhere just because you stock. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. What are you looking at? What What are you looking for on Chickamauga that allows that? Um, well, it's and it, it it really exemplifies what you would want in a reservoir. So um, habitat, even though it it is older, it still obviously has the right habitat to have natural reproduction. So even though we're stocking species, um, except for striped bass that uh, we don't expect to spawn, but they still have enough natural spawning success uh, that they're really promoting uh, and enhancing that fishery. Mm. Uh, so it's also got a really good forage base, uh, different species of shad in there, very abundant. Uh, and it's um, it's just, it's it's been, like I said, really resilient through the years where other reservoirs seem to have taken more of a hit maybe, mm. uh, but it's uh, but it's got the right ingredients, you know, to really promote those stocking programs. And then one other question I thought of, Mike, is where are those fish you're stocking coming from? So currently, and for the last few years, uh, all the Florida large, well, all the fish, but, but I, I would talk about the Florida largemouth bass. Uh, we started that in 2000 and we were having to get those fish, which are fingerlings when we stock them. They're one to three inches roughly. Uh, we would have to get those from a lot of other states. And now uh, we're raising those, TWRE hatcheries are raising those themselves. Uh, and so, as are all the fish uh, that we stock. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Um, and, and shout out to all the employees oh, in the man. region are working yeah. on Yeah, they do an awesome job. I, I was with Mike once um, when they were stocking. You remember those two gentlemen, and, he, and one of them said, we're putting in fingerlings, and one of the gentlemen said, fishing's going to be good next year. Said, Whoa, well, you know, it's going to take a little that's bit. That's exactly right. Uh, what's that growth rate? What are you seeing? Like, how long does it take that fish to reach that maturity if someone's going to enjoy catching it? Yeah, so a lot of our size limits are set up to when they become of acrylable size, in other words, where it's legal size to catch them, like crappie 10 inches, that's typically a three-year-old fish. And that's allowed that fish to, uh, they can do it as early as two-year-old, uh, be sexually mature, where they can, you know, give back uh, through spawning naturally there. Uh, but at three-year-old, roughly 10 inches. And then on bass, uh, typically, well, on Chickamauga, it's about a three-year-old bass down there is about 13 to 14 inches. So. Wow. Uh, wow. They grow from there, but they have really good growth rates there mm -hmm. compared to other reservoirs too. So give us um, just a few years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So we, after yeah. those initial stockings take place, but but now the fish are in the system. Obviously, with Chickamauga being so popular, not just in Tennessee but across the United States. Uh, we're seeing the success of those stocking yep. that, mm -hmm. that started so long ago. And I, I got to throw one more thing out there on you and brag on you. Um, how much, how many years of research did you do before introducing smallmouth, or I'm sorry, uh, Florida largemouth into Chickamauga? Yeah. So how many years of research? Quite a bit. And we looked at, we looked at data that had been collected statewide in the 1980s on different reservoirs in the state that showed that there were some Florida genes already present. Awesome. So in stocking the Florida bass, we knew that we weren't uh, totally just throwing a, a brand new uh, product out there that was going to cause problems. So there was a lot of research in that. A lot of other states, uh, Oklahoma and some even southern states, had put Florida bass in. So we knew what the interaction had been there. So, uh, And a lot of people ask us, well, hey, uh, you know, if Alabama bass are such a bad thing, why do you stock Floridas? Mm. And Floridas and Northerns are basically both a subspecies of largemouth bass. So they're very similar. Mm. Uh, and there are not really uh, any known interferences between the two. So 
what we found out through stocking those Floridas is when they hybridize with the existing population, the northerns, is that kicks out even a faster growing fish. And that state record was an F1, oh, yeah. which had a northern parent and a Florida parent. So it was like a 50 50. <laughs> so, so, what about in your sampling that y'all have done? Have you, you think there's going to be another record come out of there? <laughs> I get asked that a lot. <laughs> so, you know, our sampling shows a lot of promise. And I, just for an example, um, back around 2000 in our lecture fishing, we look at how many fish per hour we catch that are 15 inches or greater. And that was about five an hour. Mm. Most recent surveys were over 30 an hour mm. on Chickamauga. Wow. Uh, so there's a lot of potential there, right? So, but we still see uh, every year fish that are being caught in the double digits. You know, when we depend on uh, uh, tournaments and stuff, and we'll go visit and get information from some of those as we can, uh, to find out what they're catching because mm -hmm. you know they're targeting big fish definitely uh, we're doing electric fishing as well but some of those big fish are a little tougher to capture at times mm -hmm. uh, but the potential's there uh, you know uh, it wouldn't surprise me uh, any day if it happened but uh, if there's a little bit of lag in it uh, who knows there as well yeah you know so yeah. well we've talked a lot about the the fish itself and that kind of management but like habitat you mentioned it's an 80 something year old lake yeah, or 83 83 year old lake so uh what kind of habitat stuff are we doing yeah so quite a bit and it's really uh evolved through the years uh, we used to do some partnerships and uh, we would go in and plant um cypress trees for uh, long for shoreline stabilization uh, yeah uh, all kind of different uh, habitat there and then we would put just brush in and most of it was focused then on just fish attractor uh, places uh, that would help the fish be located for the fishermen to catch and make it easier. And a lot of the concentration now is putting habitat in areas where good spawning, um, you know, historically there's been good spawning efforts with mm -hmm. bass and crappie there. Mm -hmm. So if we can get some cover in there for the juvenile fish, it adds a layer of protection for them as they're young and as they're growing. Uh, and then even throughout the year, it also allows uh, some refuge for the adult fish to be able to hide in or do ambush for, for their prey or whatnot. So we, we do a lot of that. Um, and those uh, those sites that we've put in are on our uh, website as well, too. So yeah. uh, with nine reservoirs, we do a rotation. So we're not on Chickamauga every year, but, but we are hitting them pretty hard. And thankfully, we've had some uh, work units, some high school fishing teams that have helped mm -hmm. uh, and different donations, uh, that, you know, that even come in outside of our own funding to help with habitat projects. Yeah, we're not just talking one or two. Yeah, fish attractors. Yeah, yeah. it's several. <laughs> yeah, it's we're in, uh, I see in. the truckload going, well, <laughs> yeah. trailer fulls going. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we put in over a hundred uh, just in the last few months on on a couple of arms in Chickamauga there. So, yeah, yeah, pretty hey, impressive work. Put you on the spot real quick. Yeah, but like y'all use different structures, different types of materials. Uh -huh. Ease people's minds that you know we're not contaminating the water with these structures that we're putting in. It's, it's good for the fish, right. good for the habitat, I, and it's not hurting anything. Yeah. You know, we get those questions. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So there's a, there's a real dilemma, you know, used to, it was chainsaws around the bank, cutting brush. Well, there's so many other things to consider now, bad habitat and different things. And you, maybe you cause erosion to happen and you just can't do it around the lakes anymore. So getting brush that's available to even put in is hard, but uh, the plastics and some of the uh, commercial products that we're using, uh, have been studied by multiple states, looked at, and it's what most states have really gone to for a lot of it because of the longevity. Mm -hmm. uh, once you put it in, we don't have to focus on that area again in three to five years where the brush would be deteriorated. It's still there. A lot of it is uh, concrete and wooden stakes. So, you know, that's pretty natural. It's not going to... Um, 
cause any harm there. So we, we, of all of our research and knowledge and talking to other states and going to multi-state workshops, uh, we found no reason not to use, you know, different products that we're using. I know sometimes yeah, yeah. Uh, they look bad in a picture because it's yeah. like a bunch of plastics, you know, but they uh, they do have their purpose. And for feasibility uh, is another big thing. It's, it's a really good uh, way to be able to put more habitat out that's going to last longer and allow us to do more areas, you yeah. know. For good. the benefit of fish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Glad you brought that up. Yeah. 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 So, so you touched base on some of this already, but talk. A little bit more about the challenges of reservoir management. I mean, you touched base on a few things, but yeah. let's focus on that for sure. A, um, a so lot of challenges. Yeah, a lot of challenges. You know, getting older, like the one that uh, talked about there, and uh, you know, reservoirs being unique, it's really you're having to look. And Chickamauga, within itself, has unique fisheries. Uh, the upper third of the reservoir is more riverine, so you're going to have different species inhabiting that. Uh, that need uh, attention, looked at, evaluations, and then the lower two-thirds is more lake-like. And then you have the Hiawassee River. That's a totally different system in itself. Yeah. And it meets a, a trout stream, you know, on the upper edge of yeah. it that our stream crew manages. And uh, so those are challenges. Uh, invasive species, uh, Chickamauga, for example, uh, zebra mussels have in, in the last several years, you know, of course, invaded most of the systems down the Tennessee River chain there, uh, if not all, and then the Alabama bass. Uh, we talked about that. That's going to provide a lot of layer of management decisions uh, in in very short future. Uh, and then aquatic vegetation. Uh, and a lot of that's good, but not all of it's good. Some of it's invasive. There's a there's two different types of hydrilla, uh, monoecious and a dioecious. And the monoecious is really bad. It, it's really thick. It, hmm. it comes up four or five feet and forms a big dense wall and fish can't really utilize it. Uh, really locks up the uh, reservoir, so not all of that's good. Hmm. Um, Who manages? Great vegetation, question. Vegetation. So TWRA does not manage aquatic vegetation, <laughs> yeah. so that is the operating authority. And on Chickamauga, that would be TVA, Tennessee Valley Authority, and they manage that. Uh, any permitting that's done would need to be under their guidelines and stipulations. Uh, we don't do any kind of assessments on abundance of it or anything like that. So. Uh, that's that's not anything we do. We do, you know, see kind of results of it, uh, population densities up and down through the years and kind of what it does with the fisheries. But, we, yeah, we don't do anything with managing aquatic vegetation. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah. Get a lot of calls about we that. We do get a lot of calls about, <laughs> yeah. about that. So yeah. so what are some of the other challenges? I mean, that's a big body of well, water. Well, for Chickamauga specifically, uh, challenges there would be the high pressure. Uh, so we talked about it being yeah. a national destination. People are coming here. Yeah, and I get a lot of questions about that. Like, hey, how long can this place hold up to this kind of pressure? Because... The locals are really complaining about not having a boat ramp to put in because they're always clogged up with all these people fishing. Now, on one way, that's a big check mark for success, right? We've got a good fishery. People are coming in, but it's also putting a lot of pressure on the fishery. And if you talk about bass, one thing that we've constantly tried to steer people away from are those summertime tournaments. You know, when that water gets above 75 degrees, if you can do away with them that's good or at least cut back the number of fish you're weighing in because there's it's an exponential growth as water temperatures go up on mortality of fish Mm. um invasive species would be another one another one um and that we have to constantly evaluate is stakeholder groups you know people have different interests and going back to the aquatic vegetation Mm -hmm. you have all the lakefront owners and you know they they want it cleaned away from their dock and rightfully so but Mm -hmm. the fishermen don't want any of it sprayed because they like it for the fish you know so 
you know, having to kind of balance that uh, and look at that. Uh, so those are um, some of the, I guess, immediate uh, challenges, access areas. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, going back to that one, uh, we constantly, uh, when we talk to our fishermen, uh, they're, they're, they're in need of more access areas. Yeah. Yeah, and TWRA doesn't own every ramp around the reservoir either. So you know, but good point. Yeah, yeah, but we do. You know, try. We do a great job of, of taking care of what we got, and even partnership, and at times, you know, to try to expand boat ramps to make it available for people. Yeah, did we cover everything of the challenges that that lake provides to our? <laughs> management <laughs> anglers probably not everything those are the uh, those are the big hitters big uh, you know and as far as challenges uh the way we evaluate i guess and look at kind of what challenges that are out there that maybe we don't see with the naked eye mm -hmm. is through constant evaluations through our spring electrofishing surveys um you know we have krill programs and talk to anglers and uh, document their catches and and we get socioeconomics from all those kind of things uh, we do different kinds of netting, um, seining, and, uh, you know, just engaging with all that and then pouring over that data and looking at it comparatively, you know, 10, 20 years and, and seeing kind of where things are going. And uh, I guess a, a, a big challenge in going back to the bass, um, what's really leading management decisions with that stocking program are genetic tests. So we collect fish and um, we know that um, what age fit, we, we can age them. Uh, we know what size obviously that fish is and we take a fin clip and send it off and we get a genetic composite back of that fish. So we'll be able to tell this composite of fish, a F1, a, a pure northern, pure Florida, or some uh, convoluted of, of all that, <laughs> this is our best growing fish. So yeah. that's what we want to be tailoring that place yeah. to put in it or try to grow or whatever because we know that's the best product. So. That yeah. takes time too. So that's that's something. If you look at management from an earlier question that y'all had, you know, back then versus now, is genetics is really leading a lot of what we're doing there because we can identify the best product we have through genetics. Yeah, that's amazing, and yeah. and something I think the general public doesn't necessarily think about, and you can't do it with the naked eye. <laughs> yeah. um, you've taught me a lot about that, Mike, and you just can't do it with the naked eye. And I'll say my cubicles across from his, <laughs> and I see the notebooks full of data and hear him punching on those keys on the computer, and it's the part of the fisheries biologists that yeah. that um i i'm happy to share yeah. thanks for sharing yeah, that well you talk about the the, the right genetics and and challenge with working with people and different opinions and and then yeah. the fact that this is now a bill dance signature lake too so right. that's another element that goes into yes you know attracting folks there and and yeah. what kind of work's going on with that i mean well uh, I each lake in that system has something going on if yeah it is so I think in, uh, initially the bill dances, you know, they're trying to open up some areas for uh, have some mega tournaments. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think they've already got some sites uh, probably selected there. Um, and recently they were in uh, Dayton yeah. uh, at a tournament down there, you know, and, and uh, promoting it and supporting, you know, everything local there community, and the fishery yeah. and, yeah, the community and the fishery and bringing a spotlight to that. For us, it adds another layer of pressure. Yeah, a little more work. the expectation, right? Yeah, I was going to ask, do you feel that pressure? <laughs> I, I do, you know, and I, and I feel it. Uh, you know, I get calls from uh, Major League Fishing and BASS, and they'll say, hey, Chickamauga was ranked this five years ago, and maybe it slipped two spots in our eyes, and what do you think about that? Or where does it look at on the, in the future? Or, 
you know, or Dayton, uh, you know, their uh, tourism council will call and ask opinions on different things. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of expectation on that. And that's why I say what I did in the beginning, too. That reservoir brings a lot of ingredients on its own. Definitely. So if it fails, it's not going to be all of our <laughs> <Yeah>. quality. <laughs> no, we, we really don't expect it to do that um, because of the great history it has. Yeah. You know. Um, really quick, boy, time no, goes no. way too fast. <laughs> um, really quickly, um, tell us about that 90%. Yeah, so for the last 10 years, as we talk to anglers, we've had 90%, uh, you know, of those pretty much that really are in agreement with the management work that we're doing in fisheries on Chickamauga Reservoir. Yeah, they're seeing yeah. successes and they yes. appreciate 90%. 90%. That's, that's been amazing. Consistent. That's yeah. For good. 10 years, that's yes. been consistent. Yes, wow. That's great. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. That's a I can't take all the credit. Good crew, good <laughs> reservoir. Right. Well, good reservoir, good crew, and and this thanks for the hard work, yeah. you guys. Yeah, I mean, thank y'all, you. Thank y'all you. put it in for sure, and, and want to yeah. have what's best for the sportsman and, and yeah. for everyone to enjoy that. Lake. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate the opportunity to get to talk about it. y'all. Are great hosts. Uh, thank oh, you. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> Make me blush. Blushing, here. Yeah. My face is red as my beard. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, it's been fun. Thank you uh, again, and uh, thank you, Mimi. Oh, my pleasure. Get out there to Chickamauga, <laughs> but uh, maybe on a weekday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good point. <laughs> Fishing's great right Good now, point. so uh, visit tnwildlife.org find those places find yes. those boat ramps and enjoy yeah. yeah no matter hot or cold it's great fishing out there yeah so. that's true all right well thanks for tuning in we appreciate y'all watching and listening and we'll see you next time thanks for tuning in stay connected with twra by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org and follow us on facebook twitter and instagram hey it's all about tennessee wildlife It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.